0: Welcome to the Don't Overthink This podcast, where we explore and connect ideas without overthinking it. I'm Brian Heath and I'm Ross Jacks. So, Dr. Jacks, this is our eighth podcast. So, it feels like quite a momentous occasion, uh, although maybe some people would wait till 10. But I'm curious, what do you think of our podcast so far? Well, I, I think that it's uh, certainly
1: hitting a very narrow and obscure niche. I, I am grateful for our double digits of listeners out there. So, uh, as with anything that is uh, inherently enjoyable, uh, any of the external metrics I would use to measure uh, doesn't capture the success that I'm feeling. How about you?
0: I think it's good that we're doing it. I find it to be very enjoyable internally, as you said. I was contemplating about our like strengths and weaknesses, and sort of evaluating from the beginning to the end. And I think our strengths are also our weaknesses in terms of (laughs) things like preparation. (laughs) So I think like, you know, most podcasts, most radio shows, those sorts of things I think are much more prepared and scripted than what anyone would like to believe. But I truly think the listeners out there are getting an, an unscripted on the fly analysis of items and topics that we find interesting. So it's sometimes that results in really, I think, interesting ideas and exploration. Sometimes I think, You know, they're not all, well, you can't always bat a thousand. Well, you know, Dr.
1: Heath, uh, coherence is just an aesthetic preference.
0: (laughs) Yes. For the people out there who uh, have preference to our level of coherence, then thank you for listening.
1: So so Dr. Heath, uh, given the time of the year, uh, this is the season in which many people are sending out holiday cards, wishing people good cheer and health. And and I noticed that this week you wrote a letter addressed to incompetent leaders. And, and in that letter, you wrote, we expect nothing from you. So uh, why do you think that it's the case that employees expect nothing from their leaders? And and what do you think the organizational consequences, if any, are resulting from such low expectations?
0: Yeah, so writing that that letter, part of it was a little bit of, I think, what maybe what employees should be thinking about and expecting nothing. I think, unfortunately, like the tragedy is that employees do expect something from their leaders, um, whether they're incompetent or not. And if they are incompetent, eventually, I think employees maybe more seasoned ones or maybe ones who have explored the idea deeper or explored themselves deeper will kind of learn to expect nothing. But we've sort of been trained our whole life to expect something from, from the leader. And I think Maybe we question whether they're incompetent or not incompetent, but I do think that people expect it. I think employees likely shouldn't inspect it from an incompetent leader just because they're incompetent. I mean, that's sort of like I feel the a little bit of the, the definition. I find it to be when you do expect something from an incompetent leader, you're you're setting yourself up for just endless disappointment and more suffering than you than you need to have already. So maybe there's a bit of defense mechanism to that where people to sort of disconnect themselves from the situation they find themselves in. They don't put their whole effort and energy into it. And so there's like that side of it. But the other side of not expecting something from the competent leaders is then it kind of places the opportunity for you to do, to put something on yourself to say, well, I expect, like if I want to have something be better, maybe I should try to do it myself and not wait for someone else to do it. If we don't expect it from the other uh, leaders or incompetent leaders or other people, but it's something that we see that we can do, then maybe that's a way out. Maybe that's a way to get to better. If we keep waiting for someone else to fix the problem, maybe, as I might say, you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So maybe there's a bit of that. And so I think it's very interesting that you can come to both of these conclusions where if you expect nothing from the leader, then you sort of disconnect yourself and don't bring your full self to work. You don't per- do anything. And that's perfectly logical from one side, but from the other side, not expecting anything from your leader also presents a case where you can decide to do something, try to move something forward. Does that make sense
1: from your perspective and have
0: you experienced that?
1: Well, so my, my first question is, will, will I expect a similar holiday letter to incompetent podcast co-hosts? Will will that be forthcoming? (laughs) Um, But you, you can tell me that offline uh but yeah I think I mean I think that you hit upon certainly a very real situation and I and I think that you correctly capture that the there's a a a very pronounced bivariate response to it that that people can sort of self-protect and and do less or people can assert their their will into the structure the the vacancy that exists there and and have more agency and autonomy and that that the situation itself is probably nearly equally likely
0: to generate the negative or positive response what do you think the indicator variable would be of a person of which direction they go like is it experience is it how old they are is it their view of the world is it their emotional state? Like, I'm curious what your angle would be of like, how would we categorize in our experiences, which direction a person might go? I, I think I mean, I,
1: I, I'm thinking of a diagnostic, right? So I, I think that if you could ask somebody very vaguely and, and non directionally, to articulate their view towards time, and and create a sort of time position narrative, that might be an indication. So, if if somebody takes that opportunity and and is looking backwards, uh, you know, the, the the past is is somehow more glorious or more definitive, then I th- I think that that might have a proclivity towards hunkering down and protecting, and that if the time based narrative is more forward looking, uh, more progressive in the sense of this is this is what I'm. Asserting in the world is not my past, but the future I'll create. Then, then they would perhaps uh, be more inclined to to sort of take it as an opportunity rather than than a hindrance. So, I, I would, you know, that can be young or old. That could be relatively more or less educated. Sort of the the sort of time perspective that people adopt may be an indicator of sort of their risk aversion and desire to create their future.
0: What about the people who live in the moment, you know, sort of the the mindfulness, uh, being here right now, sort of the yoga perspective, embracing the currentness and living in the current time? Do you think they fall into one or the other? Or do you think it's an odd case or a fleeting? Well, I, I think it's, I think it's
1: a, a self answering question. So if, if they are living in the moment, they will make no action. And do you think that's good? Well, you know, I think I think each offers something. It's the notion of uh, to everything there is a, a season, right? So, uh, you know, there's there's certainly benefit to each of the three. It's it's why they all sustain, right? I mean, if, if only, if only one generated desirable responses over time, we would, we would know that that's the universally winning strategy. The the simple fact of the matter is, is that each, each has its benefit, but, but I would say that from an organizational leadership standpoint, each of the three are perhaps not equally inspiring.
0: To me, I think I struggle. Sometimes I'll go and alternate between them depending upon maybe how my mood is at the moment or what maybe if I just had a bunch of ideas in the future and I wish that something could be better in the future, but then it ends up being crushed. Maybe I will revert back to, well, just live in the moment, maybe more of a stoic sort of perspective that I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how, how I react. And I think that's very much of a like live in the moment present sort of scenario I tend to not look fondly on the past, of, mostly because I just forget about it and <laughs> I move forward. It's just a personal brianism of uh, I have a hard time remembering things like that, or they're just not memorable to me. So I kind of find that like I alternate between these realities. I don't know if like that time element is necessarily fixed, and I wonder if you think, I guess you have that experience, and do you feel that if you were to look at an organization as a whole, do they also have this behavior where maybe they maybe they think more of future maybe they think more past maybe they alternate between yes well i mean i
1: i think it would be interesting to study the degree to which various firms or various industries you know through self selection and and things like that people people may exhibit different time orientations and different time perspectives i think that would be certainly beneficial to to understand Because as you indicated, it it probably does entail differences in leadership perspective and and what, especially in terms of the vision of the organization, what's it aspiring to do and who are they, those notions might play prominently in, in the construction of
0: those narratives. I would venture to say that probably if we were to do the study, I would propose that older organizations... Who had been very successful i mean by their nature older organizations had been successful in some capacity right like very rarely i think are old organizations not considered in some in a darwinian in a darwinian, in a darwinian yep. sense uh survival is success right so if they, right if they've been around they they are by definition successful so there's only one way to go from there uh because organizations don't last forever it's only going down, so I would. But well, we don't,
1: that- we don't know that yet, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's
0: since
1: true. since we're not at the end of time, there's all sorts of companies that 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 uh, may may
0: exist in perpetuity. Well, uh, well, I believe uh, accurate, and I certainly agree with you. I would like to. Then I'll change my, my my statement to say, so far there hasn't been a company that's lasted a thousand years yet. Uh, so until that yes. happens, I'm going to assume that they they eventually will go under. But certainly, I think maybe organizations that have been around a long time likely so, some of them the long,
1: some of them longer than
0: I would have, would like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we could go down the list of ones that we wish were no longer around in one capacity or another. But I venture to say, just based on sense of like probability of them continuing to exist, that likely their heyday is in the past. I don't know. Do you, would you agree with that? Well, for some, that is categorically true. So I think for those organizations, I would then argue that they are pre- very much backward looking. I would say of like it was glory times. And so do they just hunker down now and say, hey, we're we don't expect anything from the incompetent leaders. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing and and try to protect ourselves and disconnect from disconnect from doing the work and making progress and innovating. And as a result, that's why those companies fail yeah, I, I would say that that's the the classic self-fulfilling prophecy where where you know,
1: based on an initial inclination or decision, the feedback loops uh, feedback on itself and uh, generate the the outcome. So yeah, I, I think categorically that that could explain what is happening in, in sort of a general non-specific sense. Uh, but but I think right I mean ultimately within that framework the organization is is making decisions to do or not do something, and in a recent uh, post you made you you discussed a meeting that you were in where management abruptly re-vectored the organization to a uh, position that had previously not been uh, selected and and that nobody in the audience questioned the this maneuver or questioned what what management did, picking one and then reverting to the other one in in such quick succession. So, you know, what do you think prevents workers from calling management out? And what structural
0: change would need to occur to facilitate workers being able to? So in this scenario, it was sort of like a surreal moment of knowing and being aware that this was happening in the very moment and watching it unfurl and thinking not just the moment of like the change in the idea and then everyone sort of having this confused look on their face but knowing that behind the scenes there's this like power dynamic that is unfolding unfolding where the those in sort of the audience the the employees are not able or empowered to like say anything against it cuz maybe there's fear of losing their job fear of making the manager look dumb and then being retaliator- retaliated against so I think that was a, a big it was it was a very much a surreal moment to watch and and see. and I think it happens a lot. Um, you sort of say, oh, the leader's right. it's It's almost like a cult sort of following at some point where you know, it's like oh the, the leader says this, do whatever the leader says. Um, it's, it's. I would I think maybe the the metaphor that
1: I would use is it's a cult of mercenaries.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's hey, we're all getting paid money to do this. And this person's in charge for whatever reason, they control the purse strings. And I think it would indicate that there's an element of fully disconnecting yourself from the job, right? So we talked about how, you, you know, if you're an incompetent leader, you don't expect anything from them. So then you just sort of say, well, I'm just doing what I need, bare minimum I need to do to get by. But my beliefs and what I truly think don't really matter to the situation, even if I notice something that's completely wrong then I'll just sort of disconnect and move forward. And I think that's a big cause of, of that. I think some of it might also be the shock and awe of it of like, I can't believe this just happened after, you know, it came out of nowhere. So people maybe are not that quick on their feet to think about it. So, you know, that, that could obviously be an element of it, but I'd like to think that if people felt authentic and felt safe in what they could say, then they would call out something that didn't make sense to them because, Likely, they would feel that that adds value to the conversation. That other people likely feel that way as well, and then they can kind of move forward. But clearly, in this sort of situation, that that wasn't the case. People did not feel that way. So I think ultimately, what happens is things just get covered up. You know, that's how corporate goofy stuff happens. That's how ethics things happen. That's why things explode uh, when they shouldn't be. You know, um, that's why the Ford Pinto fuel system kind of trade-off happened between it costs like I think a couple of cents to add a, a rubber bladder to the to the the gas tank so it didn't explode upon impact but they did the math and decided it was worth you know the lives cost <laughs> so I think that's when those sorts of elements just sort of like creep into decision and has dire consequences at the end point but in that moment because you're a hired mercenary it's it's not necessarily about what happens at the end of the war, what's happening in the battle right now and how do I how do I get my peace i i think sadly uh you you point that there's a lot of downside
1: risk and and i i really wonder what if anything is is the upside benefit right i mean it it would be seldom is it the case that so- somebody needs the incorrect support of their position uh, either for their ego or for the decision itself so you know, giving silence to something that you think is absurd or at least questionable doesn't really generate much, if any, real benefit. But as you indicated, not doing so exposes a lot of downside risk. So um, I I think that that's a a issue that warrants an examination of the structural impediments to allowing people to speak up.
0: Yeah. One of your posts you wrote about things making sense and how the human brain sort of how we'll make things make sense. So I think you just said that this activity and behavior doesn't make sense, but maybe you could do the audience a favor and do your best attempt at making this make sense. <laughs> like what, what well, how does this make sense? Or well, how, what is the delusion people are telling themselves to make this make sense?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the one that I think is probably, probably at least from my observation, the, the most, pervasive is the indication or the thought that it would be somehow inappropriate for for one to say that it's it's not their place to say and and i think that once somebody is able to convince themselves it's not their place to say something they they don't and and that determining that something is not one's place is easy to do and and i would contend that one could probably do it in any place. So their, their ability to, to justify that it's not their place to say something could be, could be artfully done by most individuals in
0: any context. I think that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I think within this vein, one of the other things that you've written about is around organizational critics. Like, so we went to making it make sense. I think we've critiqued it a little bit, but I know you asked me about what structure implications would we do but maybe you have some ideas around how we might be able to get around this sort of problem
1: so so i do think there is benefit for sort of a department of you know organizational critique that the the idea that uh, one wouldn't be self-observing in a rigorous way and that there wouldn't be some sort of body that that enables the institution to self assess in in a largely consequence free environment truly doesn't make sense to me other than you know by not supporting that department uh, all of that money that's not getting spent for something people don't want to hear uh, can go just to their profit or their salary or whatever so i mean i understand the sort of economic and psychological reasons why an individual wouldn't want to do it. I'm not sure why a, a board of directors wouldn't be implementing that uh, since it would be beneficial to them, even though not to the CEO.
0: One of the favorite things you uh, told me a long time ago was that uh, business rhetoric is performance art. And, and so that, that has stuck with me for uh, a long time. And continues to be influenced sort of when I observe these situations sort of happening. If you're in that room while that was happening and you're watching it, what what would be your sort of visceral response? What would you appreciate about it? And then what could a person do in that situation?
1: So so typically, and and I mean I I I understand sort of for me the the things that have to occur for me to deviate from this path, but usually I would just observe and and probably not say anything, but but certainly have a, a internal visceral response to what's going on. From that point, I, I would probably start writing something about the experience in in a generalized way, uh, whether it's a blog post or uh, an academic paper, But usually, my sort of inclination is to try to make sense of it at an individual level, rather than bring it up to an institutional response, especially until I've had the time to interrogate it and, and to sort of draw out what I actually think about what it was that I experienced. So um, I, I don't tend to pull the trigger uh, in, in the meeting. Uh, I, I tend to assess and and sort of get my
0: Thoughts in order before I move forward. How about you? I tend to also not say anything in the meeting, unless there's a certain moment where I feel like I have enough, I would say capital to to expend on, a, on an idea out there. And I've thought about it well enough. But I think in the past, what I would do is just mostly think about it, talk about it with a few people, and then just sort of like move on from it. But I think what the thing you highlighted was sort of writing about it and interrogating it deeper is something that I've only more recently started really taking more seriously and I think it's uh, an interesting an interesting thing to do would would you argue that analysts or critics within an organization should spend more time writing and thinking it through as opposed to just talking about it gossiping about it and then sort of moving on is that the path to make a difference
1: well i mean my, it is certainly my hope and and certainly my actions are consistent with that view I I do think that the written word has an effect that is different, certainly than than just gossiping around the water cooler about something that people are unhappy about. Even and it doesn't have to be researched like you know an academic paper. It can just be a, a journal entry where somebody is is literally writing out and and figuring out their thoughts on something. I think the process of writing transforms the way that people think and respond to situations. So when time is not critical, take some time and and write and and parse out your your thoughts, but please don't do that
0: in a crisis. (laughs) Don't sit down and be like, hold hold that for a minute while I write about this car crash I just saw. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dr. Jackson, this has been a great conversation. Any parting words or... uh... Anything for us to look forward to in our next podcast?
1: Well, Dr. Heath, I, I hope that you enjoy this holiday season and that you have time to rest and recharge
0: and uh, share joy with all of yours. Thank you very much. I wish you the same. And everybody, if, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others as well as uh, check out our blog where we write every day, multiple posts uh, don't overthink and you can see the thoughts emerging live as we're thinking about these items. And if you're interested, feel free to contribute yourself. Send us something. We'll be happy to post it up. All right. Well thanks everyone. Talk to you next time.